Hello and welcome to Podcast Deleted for Security Reasons. I'm Stephen. I'm Noah. And I'm Adrian. So this is for those of you who've just tuned in, which should be everyone because this is our first podcast. Yay. Uh, This is a podcast about Paranoia, the greatest role-playing game ever made. Other role-playing games are not fun. Play Paranoia. Play Paranoia and hail the friend computer. Oh, pray, oh, friend hail the computer. computer. All right, well, uh, Stephen, you want to go over exactly what is paranoia for those who are not infrared citizens? Right. So for those of you who have not played paranoia before, I pity you. <clears throat> paranoia is a pen and paper role-playing game in It's set in an underground complex ruled by a computer who is not insane. Friend computer is your friend. Happiness is mandatory. Communism is treason. Being a mutant is treason. A lot of things are treason. Um, The job of the player characters is troubleshooters who are there to root out treason. They are all secretly One might say that troubleshooters are there to shoot trouble. One might indeed say that. Troubleshooters shoot trouble. They fight treason. And as I said, they are all secretly traitors. They're all mutants. They're all members of secret societies. But they just don't admit it. Exactly. And Never they all carry lasers. To anything. Yep. In a game of paranoia, the role is to carry out the mission given by the computer whilst killing all of your friends. And thankfully, the computer has supplied everyone with six clones. All hail, friend computer, for our six lives. All hail, friend computer, for our six me- lives. Stutter. What he said. Yeah, so um, do you want to talk about like how we got into paranoia, like our first introduction and whatnot? Sounds fantastic, citizen. You start. All right. Thank you so... for volunteering, Noah. <laughs> yes, of course I volunteer all for the uh, friend computer as always. So how I got started was an interesting story. I was using Tabletop Simulator for those who do not know. It is a software located on Steam that you can buy for twenty dollars. Um, what happened is I was trying to host a game. I don't know what game it is now. I, knowing me, it was most likely some deception traitorous game. And what ended up happening was some people came in and they were still talking about their paranoia session. And I was like, guys, what is paranoia? And then they began telling me and they told me about how they went on this adventure that involved um, a higher ranking official and that everyone was being uh, traitors and whatnot. And I really loved the idea of it. So I joined one of their sessions. He was uh, ran by a wonderful GM. I'm Blaine farting on his name, though. I believe his name was... Uh, um, hold on, I actually have it written down. Give me one moment. Unimportant uh, G. It is important. Yes, it is. Anyway, his name was uh, Baconator, believe it or not. After I played my first session, um, I got hooked, and I began learning how to GM in real life. I had a real-life um, GM named Mick. And it just went from there, playing different variations of paranoia, hosting, playing, etc. What about you, Adrian? Uh, I had to spend a day remembering because I got it confused. So I was introduced to paranoia in kind of a backwards way. Started out playing a different RPG called Call of Cthulhu because I'm into H.P. Lovecraft's writing. Uh, and while looking around online, other tabletop games, I came across a YouTuber called Shadowhawk2012 who had uploaded uh, several paranoia 
long plays, I guess they're called? I don't know. Recorded his own sessions with his friends playing it and uploaded it. I think they had less than a thousand views at that time. Um, and I just, damn, every, every line and every little thing that happened, it just cracked my side pieces. Uh, your mic cut out, sir. Sorry. That uh, must have been commie, communist interference. Um, yes, darn it, communist. And I've been into the game ever since. I've, it's one of those things I can't really describe why I love Paranoia so much or how I got into it, except that it's just the best thing to ever happen. It's brilliantly simple. Most simple game I've ever, I've ever seen in my life. And it runs perfect. Uh, I ran a game with my friends. I'm sorry. My mind must have been wiped uh, due to some previous event. Well, that's okay. Um, one moment. Um, anyway, while you were reflecting back on that, Steven, do you remember your uh, first time you got introduced to it? Right, so this will be probably familiar to a lot of folk. I was introduced to Paranoia in September 2004 in the Extra Life column of PC Gamer UK, in which there was an article about J Paranoia which was a piece of Java-based software used for running text-based games of Paranoia on the internet on a website called Paranoia Live. And I, like many people, read this article, rushed over to check this website out, and was greeted by a front page telling us that our timing was greatly fortuitous because a new edition was about to be released. Um, So that was the Paranoia XP edition. I very quickly... Got hooked on the game from that. Um, I think for several years, I was running games every week or every other week on evenings. I um, Some of them were pl- scheduled, some were impromptu. There was also at the time a very large and complex forum-based game going on on Paranoia Live and various other things. And yeah... Paranoia was a very big part of my life for quite a few years. Cool. Uh, Adrian, did you um, remember how your first uh, stuff went now, or is your mind still drawing a blank? No, my mind's still drawing a blank. I don't know why. I do remember a J Paranoia session that I had, though, with Zyld. Oh, do tell. Uh, the most vivid thing I can remember from that is headbutting somebody with the Google Glasses helmet before Google Glasses was a thing and shattering the glass all over my face and their face, blinding us both and having to wear both of us rolling on the floor. Well, for me personally, one of my uh, memorable moments was uh, I was actually a game master and I got the idea for this setup when I was actually hungry. I was like, I want pizza. So the entire mission I made from scratch was essentially um troubleshooters which were the other payers trying to go and find and locate uh, a disc within the complex when the disc is actually a large pepperoni pizza and of course as the game master i didn't tell them it was really pizza they had to figure it out themselves so what ended up happening was the entire game and i also had the characters pre-stocked with paranoia to where they already hate each other so they're like killing each other left and right on their way and when they finally get to the pizza and they call friend computer confused friend computer was like citizens congratulations you have found the pizza we have been looking for 
Uh, well, not pizza. He said, um, citizens, congratulations. You found the missing disc. Please deliver it to the Indigo Front Pro. And everyone was laughing. Everyone was like, wow, we are homicidal pizza delivery men. And that was just great. Steven, do you have any memorable moments? Where to start? Um, okay, so this was a fun one recently, actually. Uh, so there's this event held every year in the UK, which is about as awesome as it sounds, called the National Students Roleplay and Wargame Championships. That sounds amazing. It is amazing. Um, so I've been a couple of times. I was there this year playing Paranoia. Um, the yeah. So basically, it was over two days, and both days we got a game of Paranoia with um, same group with both of them. First game was playing the most recent edition, which was released last year. It was two players didn't die at all. I was very disappointed. Um, so it's going fine. We're getting through the mission. We get to the end. We've um, found the traitor and we've arrested him and we're all going back to the mission, the um, debriefing. At which point I reveal that my secret society was the communists, my mutant power is teleportation and I'm taking him away with me. Thank you very much. This, I failed dramatically after losing a combat round where everyone tried their damnedest to prevent me from doing so but communists are the best secret side i know right so that was <laughs> fun then get to the next day it was um kind of but not quite paranoia xp the gm was brilliant uh, one of the things he did was he gave us character sheets that were not actually character sheets oh wow i had a bit of paper with cat facts on it <laughs> so yeah, we were handed out separately um, envelopes that contained um, character background, mutant power, and secret society. But we had no stats. Nobody was acknowledging this. Like, the GM would get us to roll for something and then just ask if we'd passed or failed. But of course, why would we lie to the GM? <laughs> um, so we get through this whole thing, and we've been sent to go to this location and plug in this, uh, these briefcases. We get there, and it turns out it's the computer mainframe. Oh, no. Better yet, the computer is, of course, insane because there are some bits of hardware that needs replaced, which is what we were there for. Also, it turns out that the computer is basically running a reality TV show and thinks we're in the Big Brother house. This is great. Yeah, so we, um, we do destroy the computer. But before we do this, so... We're standing there, we're, some folk want to save the computer, some folk want to destroy it. We're kind of at each other's throats over this. Um, kind of. One, yeah, the team, as it turns out, internal security officer was pointing her laser at me. The computer's given us the ability to actually send messages to the complex. So, of course, I do the obvious thing. Mutants of the complex, rise up and overthrow your oppressors. <laughs> 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 As the laser's pointing at you, you just scream that. Right. So then, right, the um team member pointing her laser at me stares at me for a second and then uses her mutant power to turn into a direct um, duplicate of me and points her laser at one of the other team members instead. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was beautiful. And then, uh... we, and then we escaped into the outdoors and died in the horrific nuclear wasteland. Did you see any giant cockroach? No. Well, um... 
Well, since you did mention Paranoia 17, which is how the community calls it, I presume. Um, what do you guys think of Paranoia 17? Mixed feelings. All right. What about you, Steven? You played it Very mixed feelings. I have. So, Paranoia 2017 edition. Um, it makes a few changes from the t- earlier formats. Um, basically, there are four, depending on you look at it, previous editions. First edition was D10 based. Second edition was D20 based, as was Paranoia XP and the 25th anniversary edition, which was kind of a new edition, but kind of not because it was basically XP with some minor changes made. It's complicated. I, I just thought 25th was renamed 25th because Windows or Microsoft didn't like Paranoia calling their game XP. No, oh, no, no, what? no, no, no. Um, XP was shortened to Paranoia because Microsoft didn't like it. Uh, 25th edition came out in 2004, though. No, wait, 2009, because it was the 25th anniversary of 1984. I really do hope that we get a 30th or 40th anniversary edition. That would be so cool. We're a bit late for 30th, but... Yeah. 35th, then, darn it. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, it makes a big change. It's D6 dice pool-based, and it uses cards for a lot of things, and... That's largely where a lot of my problems come from. The replaced... You no longer have your mutant power and your secret society written on your character sheet. You have a randomly dealt card that sends them. Um, They've moved internal security to being a secret society now, which is interesting. But also... Um, If I remember correctly, they didn't. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Well, because it it always was a secret society. No, it wasn't. wasn't. So you're telling me that you played Paranoia XP where you knew one player on your team was uh, internal security. Sometimes Hi guys, not- I'm internal security posing as Frankenstein Destroyers. No, that wouldn't happen th- because they would be posing as a service group. So it would be internal security pretending to be power services. However, sometimes you would get someone that was just straight internal security, yes. For secret societies, okay. there was a spy society. It was the Illuminati, who are now just a regular secret society. But I remember I talked to some people also in the community, and how they played it was, um, it is a secret society, and if you get caught, the reason why you're killed is because you were outed as internal security. A good internal security plant would never be outed as internal security. And whenever you get higher up in the ranks, then you can publicly go as internal security. No, that was That's just how they were playing it. how they played it. And I thought it was um, like a hybrid, I guess. I specifically yeah. recall that internal security was not a secret society in any previous editions. I don't really jive with them becoming a secret society doesn't make any sense to me i also dislike the cards on a whole i think it's i thought it was somewhat limiting at first and still don't really see the point of them i think that the d20 is the best thing that anybody has ever made for playing there yeah and it's also with the cards if i could continue there and i was saying secret society mutations are on the cards and the card handily gives you exact details on how to use your mutation and who your secret society actually is now, Lame. for me, one of the big things in the earlier editions was that sort of stuff appeared in the GM section of the book, and players are not cleared to read the GM section. So if you're playing Paranoia properly, you have no idea what your mutation or secret society actually do. You're just guessing based on context. 
You also and, shouldn't know how strong your power is. Right, exactly. And certainly, when I first started playing Paranoia, that was exactly the um, state I was in. And it was amazing. It was brilliant because this absolute ignorance that extends to the rules as to what's going on really fosters the correct um, sort of comically dark, slightly paranoid atmosphere of Paranoia. Being ignorant of the rules and getting a character sheet which you do not understand and is not explained to you is such an important part of paranoia. It really helps you, helps get you thrown into this um, concept of being in the dark, not knowing what's going on, being kind of scared and paranoid. Right. It's so you mentioned how great the D20 is. That's another interesting example that in the previous editions... It was D20-based, but you were trying to roll low, not high, which, if you, as a GM, forget to mention that, can be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, can you refresh my memory about the, uh, uh, man, I don't want to brain fart here of all times. Uh, the, um, do you, did anyone know why they changed it from D20 to the D6 multis? D6 system. So, kind of. Eratos probably knows it better. Stephen, whatever. Yeah. Use your infinite <laughs> wisdom. Tell us, Stephen. So, basically, a large part of updating the game was to make it more accessible. So, the playtest document for the uh, 2017 edition, which was given to Kickstarter backers, had this um, marvelously tactless comment at the beginning to the extent of, you think that the old paranoid system is great, and don't see why we would need to update it to make it more accessible and so on. But that's because it's kind of like an old house that you've lived in for years, so you're so used to it and love it that you don't realize that it's falling apart. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, you know, uh, way to get the existing fan base on your side, guys. Not, you know, I mean, it's... that comment, I believe, like, I, I really love the D... I, I love, with all my heart, the D20 system. But I believe that they're kind of right with making it more accessible because they wanted to make it more like for a new generation to be into it and for those who don't play Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot, but have like other board games with tons of dice with D6s and whatnot. I think that's kind of what they did was okay, but they should have added like they should have kept it to where you can choose as a GM to D20 or not. Like they should have made a character be character sheet multi-compatible like to use either or instead of forcing the new way i disagree there somewhat simply because one of the big things is that every edition of paranoia has not been backwards compatible and indeed certainly xp makes a point in the at the start this game is not backwards compatible you can't use character sheets from previous games that is actually true and incorrect. I actually have one of the supplements that actually um, goes through converting your character to XP. I forget which book has it, but um, it has. It's the same one that has the uh, the infrared training mission, which I thought was brilliant. But they did add backwards compatibility eventually, just not in the core book. It was in a supplement. Fair enough. But at the same time, getting back to the D6 system, it's interesting because it's basically the system from the old Ghostbusters uh, pen and paper role-playing game, which was sort of one of the earliest, I believe, um, dice pool-based games. 
in that one it was basically you rolled your d6s based on a stat and a skill and then you got however many fives and sixes or whatever were successes and it also featured the ghost die which shows up in the new edition as the computer die and is one of my favorite actually things about the new edition it's a normal d six-sided dice except that the six is a picture of the computer a five is a success as normal on a six it's not a success but the computer takes an interest it's oh brilliant. yeah i i love the reason why i love it so much is i remember this was another memorable moment from past session where i hosted uh paranoia 17 where someone was trying to sweet talk his way past a guard and it was working at first until he rolled the computer dice. So what ends up happening is, and the computer die can mean either the computer takes interest or you fail in the most spectacular way possible. It's either way, whichever the GMs he's fit. And what I did was that they fail in a spectacular way to where at first he's saying all the correct things. And then for some reason, he goes off into a tangent of how hideous they look. And immediately everything goes wrong for the group at that moment because then the alarm starts sounding as they try to get past the uh, pay booth. Oh, where did Adrian go? What happened to him? I'm not sure. Hopefully he'll come back. Oh. Anyway, getting back to that. Um, that's another interesting point I have, actually, is that the computer dice is tied to Moxie, which Moxie is a combination of it's the pool of points that you use for using your mutant powers, you lose a point of moxie if you roll the computer. And if you run out of moxie, your character goes insane. I really like the moxie system. I do and I don't. Because one of the big reasons that the only reason why I really enjoy it is because it really fixes the, uh, the, especially in other editions, which we're talking in a later episode, it fixes the abuse of mutant powers to an obvious degree. Abuse of mutant powers is never really been a thing though if the gm was on top of things because there's always been a secret way for the gm to oh i know I, I know what drives me crazy is that the older books um they delegated that to later in the book so once you learn about mutant and power levels as a gm in the older editions they don't tell you straight away here's a mechanic to balance it do this or this is like delegated to further into the book for like a, for advanced or like um, other mechanics you can use to balance out the uh, mutant power spam, but which drove me crazy. Like, why wouldn't you tell them up front? Because I know what you're talking about. Like the uh, degradation, like the number gets the power gets even worse. Well, I think the obvious thing for not telling up front is because you don't want the players to know. That is true. My, uh, my communications were sabotaged by communists. I was able to fight them off. <laughs> uh, thanks to the help of friend computer. Hail to friend computer. Hail, Hail friend computer. Uh, have we finished the conversation about how D20 is infinitely easy to get into? Uh, like, that is the most... Okay, there's okay. There's two things. The D20 system is easy to understand and far easier to understand than the new system, but it takes longer to set up your character than in Paranoia 17. Paranoia 17 is much faster, but the dice system's a bit wonky. Paranoia 17 has a group-based character generation system which can take over an hour or two. Yeah, really? The, all, yeah, the all the ones I did was... Uh, Paranoia 17 only took five minutes with four people. It was all very quick. All what? Very quick. Yeah, most people I've talked to have um, said it took forever. Like, 
when I was playing at the Nationals, we just got given pre-gens because the GM said we just didn't have the time to have a game and include character generation. Oh, I don't know if I'm missing a bunch of stuff, but all the ones I did took about like 10 minutes at the absolute worst, but five minutes on the best, 17. Paranoia is the fastest character generation I've ever seen. Like when the next fastest being Call of Cthulhu, where you just put points into whatever. Paranoia, you roll a dice like five times and your character is ready. It is so fast. Paranoia, and, you sit down at the table and the GM hands you your character sheets. Yeah. 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 98% of the time. Yeah. Um, and now Paranoia 17. I never liked the making your character based off how other characters put points into their things. It seems distinctly I believe to one another. the reason why they did that, honestly, and I can see why they did it, was to already create tension amongst the characters without having extra sheets with background and pre-generated secret societies, uh, already deception. Because when you screw someone over, they tend to want to get you back. Maybe, but in paranoia, you don't really need to give the players any more encouragement to hate each other. I, uh, I, that's not true. I... I have constant problems with that, but I'm a unique case. <laughs> it's a very common issue, particularly with new players, that they don't get into the spirit of backstabbing um, very easily. I mean, I've almost every game that I've played in as a player, as opposed to GM, has had at least you know one or two, maybe three new players in it, and you find that there's two extremes. There's the ones that get straight into it and absolutely grasp it straight off, and the ones who tend to Are work better off playing at... Dungeons and Dragons. No, no. Often they'll be fine with a bit of encouragement, but they need some encouragement to get over the, um, you know, ingrained ideas of how you're supposed to play a role-playing game. For me, um, the hardest people to train in paranoia um that i found as a gm is people who played DD for a while and the reason i say that is because DD is very wide known to be a cooperative only and the experiences that i had with DD is the game master like unless there's a chaotic um i've not chaotic neutral chaotic evil and a couple of evil characters but typically the sessions i've always been in everyone was good or neutral, and the GM would like very rarely allow for player versus player, and it's hard to get that ingrained that paranoia. You're allowed to kill each other. You're all, you're supposed to, and stuff like that, because well, everyone chaotic, just wants to work together. Chaotic neutral and chaotic evil players that are dicks to their own team are stupid assholes that shouldn't be playing. They don't get it. You're supposed to be being evil to support your group and showing off. Um, I was going somewhere with that, and then my brain... I was going to say, in response to what that means, like that's why it's so hard to treat D&D players, because they're always so used to being goody-two-shoes who work together, yeah, and they, they would not last a day in Alpha Complex without having some push in the right direction, or when this Game Master... Like, for me, I typically emphasize how important the Secret Society missions are. Like, straight up, like, explain, like, they're like they're your bread and butter to uh, new players. So then that's kind of lead them to the right track the the absolute worst time i ever had was with a player that was far too into star trek and wanted to make star trek solution of paranoia <laughs> what did we make shit up <laughs> no not not the next generation star trek as in 
talk to the other guy and try to figure their problems out like reasonable people which in alpha complex is actually the definition of insanity the most wow. cooperative person in alpha complex is a dead person <laughs> that is actually really true um for me i i paranoia 17 was my first introduction into paranoia believe it or not and really? i that's cool yeah it is and i actually enjoyed it from my um i as i think due to my voice i'm a bit younger and uh, my generation i would presume like people who i played with will found the same age like paranoia 17 a bit more because i don't know why there's like a stigma to pen and paper games like there's a big stick and when you play paranoia which has cards and have all this fancy artwork even though we can debate that for another episode um they, they seem to be drawn more towards it which is why i think they went the card route because there's a stigma against pen and paper and stuff like that that makes my generation not want to play D&D, but, oh, this is like a card game. I like this more than D&D when they are secretly actually playing an RPG. Yeah, yeah. that's not a bad point. Um, as a West Coast American, I am critically deprived of tabletop role-playing games, traditional games, and war games, and trying to get people to even consider them is like trying to convert somebody to Satanism. <laughs> they look at you like you're an actual lunatic. What? Dungeons and Dragons? A pen and paper? I have a cell phone and like, <laughs> Skyrim. You know, honestly, I believe, I think that's actually why, I think that, I think they just came across wrong on their comment on the, uh, for the Kickstarter backers, um, uh, playtest, uh, thing that they made, the comment about the old house. It's a wonderful system. It's great, but I think, uh, trying to get people attracted to that old house, quote unquote, is difficult, especially newer people who like flashy, fancy looking stuff, it's which is hard in America. which in the newer system is more flashy. It's more appealing to the eye. It's more card based and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I'll say for all that I've got a lot of criticisms about um, the 2017 edition, um, you know, the games I've played were absolutely fantastic. You know, it was just like any other game of Paranoia. It was, you know, the the proper the game classic proper game is actually in there. It's still Paranoia. It's just not the mechanics I would necessarily choose to use for Paranoia. My yeah, and for me, is, it seems like they would have sat like they've sacrificed some of the mechanics that made that old house, as it were, the best house ever, and instead they they did these things where they frilled up the house and put some new linings on it and shit, but all everything they put into the new house to attract people is really not as good as sturdy and as excellent as it was. Yeah. And it's more just a marketing tact to get the dudes. It's kind of like you've gone and bought your new house from Ikea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I when I played the 17, despite the criticisms I know now because um, I played XP and I played 25th anniversary, and I know those games are far more fun. But um, it's a good introduction to Paranoia, which I really find it's a good introduction if you really want people like if they like it. Like, well, hey, there's a D20 system that had more mechanics and it's more fun. Would I could play that? I've done that to a few people, and they ended up loving the D20 version more. It's just that I wish that. Um, they could bring back some of the old ones. I know they're having acute paranoia being remastered. I'm not sure if they'll bring any, bring back some of the mechanics they ripped out into that one. That's going to be like a brand new standalone version. Have any of you guys heard about it? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, you mean the uh, Kickstarter thing that I backed at like blue level or something? Yeah, it's the um, and I actually sent a question. I was like, hey, are we gonna see like some of the classic uh, secret societies added back in? Like the uh, oh, what was their name? Hold on. Um, I actually have it saved. Or something. The, the computer uh, no, freaks who got renamed the freaks for some reason. Oh, um, feet. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, geez, I can't pronounce this. Femi Fate Line. Any of you guys know what I'm talking about? Femme Fatale? Yeah, Femme Fatale, that's them. Yeah, those... Weren't those they one of the, the, um... Yeah, they're one of the secret societies that got excised for a reason. Yeah, for a very good reason they got excised. They got ex... What do you mean by excised? Like, erased or deleted off the game? Yeah, so, basically, there's a fantastic um, designer's note at the beginning of Paranoia XP that says... Everything written between X and Y time is now on history. Um, there's also some secret societies, I believe, from earlier supplements that weren't included in that. However, the reasoning given for reducing them down to the sort of inverted commas classics ones was essentially the standard set of secret societies contains everything you need. And the other secret societies that have then been made were kind of like much more specialized versions of the ones that already existed. Or they were a bit silly. Yeah. Or in the case of, say, Earth Mother, they were kind of squicky. Oh, they did bring Uh, them back. They did bring the... um, They shouldn't have. They bring back factions. Yeah. And I mean, 25th Anniversary Edition brought back a couple because they had the Servants of Cthulhu, I believe. Those Those guys are hilarious. I love them. Although, again, you know, Servants of Cthulhu really... You've got Purge, you've got Death Leopard, you've got the Communists. Yeah, I know. Most of them are... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. a lot of them can be redundant, which I understand, but um, I do hope they bring back some that aren't redundant, that were just removed for X, Y, or Z reasons, but can be bought back later. Like, the Feminine one I thought was hilarious when I first read it in 2nd Edition. Um, Fun fact, I haven't played 2nd Edition. I really want to, but I haven't learned how to play it or played. I only played 25th, XP, and the latest version. 2nd Edition is the best edition in my mind because it it's so perfectly classic and encapsulates it's like the perfect little paranoia pill i know like i hear that so many times and i really really want to play it so badly in fact that i sold some items online to um get the a bundle of holding a recloned um which had all second edition material and first edition so now i have that stuff i just got to read through it so i've got the um Hardback West End Games um, second edition rulebook published by Games Workshop. Wow. Nice. I actually have the physical copy, just the new one, of course. And I have High Programmers, Internal Security, and uh, the Game Master screen for 25th edition. I have those in the physical King of 25th anniversary. Physical copies, you say, but which versions of the physical copies? Uh, Come again? There are two versions of the physical copies of 25th Anniversary Edition. There's your standard ones, which have cover art and are okay. Oh, yeah, and then they have <laughs> the um, black box. Black missions, which came with a CD containing most of the XP Edition supplements. Yeah, I and have various the various other things. I have the original. Yeah. I actually know someone who has the disc who has ripped off, who have ripped the disc and backed it up digitally, so his uh, collection won't be disturbed, which would need. Yeah, I've got two copies of Black Missions with the CD. <laughs> How do you have two? Come on, man, mail it to me. Mail one to me. 
<laughs> and I've also got the um, whitewash and the uh, wait lube. Oh, whitewash that's that that shit and put it in. That, that's high programmer, right? High programmers, yep. High programmers with a um, matte white cover. Ah, you're killing me! Like, what's oh. the difference between whitewash and the original? Cause I um, this is gonna be for another episode. The, like, I love high programmers, but like, what's no, the difference? The only difference, the only difference is that um, whitewash has a white cover, and the regular edition has. Sort of basic, content difference? Really? No, basically just because Black Missions was so popular, they made like very limited print runs of the Insect and Type Programmers books that were also just um plain covered hardbacks. So they added like nothing to it, just made it plain covered hardback. Just the cover. Really? Darn. Darn. I thought those they were very limited edition. They were very limited edition. There are not many of them, so bragging rights. Very Lucky. Much so bragging rights. Lucky. <laughs> Steven is the most veteran of us here who has all the best cool stuff. He described to me, I think, that he once had a pile of paranoia books that are as tall as he is. Or maybe small as no, I have a pile of role-playing game supplements that was as tall as I am. Yeah, insanity. Well, he may not be insane. He must be uh, paranoid. Insert sound effect here. Uh, oh, but, um, but yeah, in this in the latest edition, um, I think it's a good gateway for uh, newer for the new generation. I think it's a decent oh, yeah. gateway. And then once you get them say, attracted to the idea, then you can move them to the older editions, which is uh, I like more. Yeah, I was gonna say handing somebody that's never held the dice and rolled it, and just ha handing them a d twenty and saying, "Here you go, uh, have fun." They can be very like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Like, um, you just don't really understand it and have a hard time getting into it. Whereas Paranoia 17 would probably be really good for people like that who maybe are interested but have no concept of dice games, which, like I said, in America, not only do they have a big stigma, but there's very, there's no marketing for them at all which i don't know how it is in like britain or europe in general but there's not commercials there's not signs the only way to know or get into paranoia or 40k or any other war game or tabletop game is to know about them preemptively or know somebody who does yeah for me there was no advertising it was just a person that said just described how it was like for me i tried to get into D D. I just couldn't and i was affected by the stigma. I was like, eh, because like, oh, I just imagined it something stupid or corny. And then when I played Paranoia, and then after the fact, like a day or two later, I just realized this natural RPG. I was like, well, this is an RPG, and I like it. And then uh, I actually spent one Christmas, the, the last Christmas, uh, 2017, I bought out everything on Drive-Thru RPG, old and new, everything. What? Wow, that's fucking awesome. Yep, I have an entire archive up on uh, Saved in the Cloud of old and new, and it's even more complete now because I included the, uh, what's it called, the uh, a bundle of holding release of the second and first edition. I also did that, but a long time ago. I believe there was a drive through RPG sale of Paranoia for like 80% reduced cost or something. So you could get everything that had been ever released, or maybe it was bundled. I don't, I don't remember. 
so you could get everything released for like 20 bucks all all the hp books and everything and i got that when i was like 16 and to this day i I'm still have that stored in the cloud on my high school google drive yeah so back in the day they didn't have um the digital releases of the paranoia stuff that's a relatively recent thing so basically if you wanted the older supplements you had ebay and you had um the darker corners of the internet full of dodgy scanned pdfs that's and, where i uh, started yeah so there is a zip file floating around that was compiled i think it's sadly as far as i can tell lost to the ether now but compiled by a few folk on paranoia live that contained everything i might that i think i got that at one point as well i may yeah, have I, a kind of a copy of that i contributed to it and um it involved buying three old copies of white dwarf in order to scan some articles yeah, for me I, I will confess i did pirate the xp edition back um when i first got into paranoia and when i just found out how much i loved xp that's when i bought out the entire store of a uh, drive through rpg after i read through it i was like this is brilliant i love it shameless in saying that I will pirate uh, codexes or publish books before, like if I don't know anything about them, I'll pirate it and read it and decide if I want to support, which you can call me an evil, horrible person if you want, but deal with it. I I have supported paranoia monetarily. Yeah, I, I wish that some RPGs, um, some of them do do this, most of them don't, have like a small sample book that you could read that give you the broad rules and whatnot. And if you like it, then you could buy the real thing after you read up on it. But uh, most of them don't do it. Like, they don't offer a demo or anything like that of any kind. Yeah, I'm a proponent for letting somebody see your content before they necessarily buy it, because a lot of those books and stuff can be quite expensive. $20, yeah. $30, you know, sometimes more. And it's like, you don't want to buy something for that much and then realize it's cracked it open. Oh, this is shit. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Um, if more companies did like demo versions, it would be to their benefit because people won't need to pirate to see if they like it first and whatnot. Um, and more people would have the opportunity to see their stuff and then go, oh, I like this. I'll buy it. Yeah. yeah it's, I, it's, I, 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 I just wish Paranoia was more well-played. Like, I, I've seen, like, more and more people gravitate towards it in my generation because um, I've seen, like, people like deception-based games like Mafia or Secret Hitler and games like that. They seem to really like it. So when I mentioned Paranoia, it's, like, almost second nature because they love it. Um, so I think there's, like, been sort of a Paranoia resurgence. Has any of you guys noticed anything like that? Yes, I have. Somewhat, Yeah. I've, I've noticed a very big paranoia resurgence just since I've started playing, which was back in like maybe 2012. Um, we've got new additions, people doing it again. Uh, when I first started paranoia, uh, it was me, Steven, Zyle, Vile, and like two other people on P-Live, and then P-Live died. Um, yeah. So I thought paranoia was doomed. And so what I'm seeing now is, like, amazing. I'm so happy to be seeing people finally, because, like you said, the Deception games um, are really are booming popular now. 
Yeah, they are yeah, just booming with Secret Hitler. Like I've, I, I worked at a board game shop in a mall once, and uh, people were just coming in left and right looking for either Secret Hitler or Paranoia or like, they're like anything with deception in it they wanted. Yeah, uh, I went to my local game store one time to try and find any Paranoia books uh, before any of this, and it was like impossible. There's it. Like, it's that obscure kind of game, like Dark Earth or something, where people are like, what are you talking? And now it's coming back into borderline mainstream role-playing game, and I love it. So, did, do we want to speculate on this information that I have here, or should we save it for the next episode about the video game? We always we, want we, we to can try speculate and on it now, as long or... as we can for as many yeah, I'm always up for a bit of speculation. Okay, speculation so, is fun. there is a... Uh, it's been announced... I know rumors, but this one isn't a rumor, citizen. This one is verified by the friend of computer of an official sponsored project um, from a company I think ported D and D to video game. Like a, I'm not sure which one they ported, but um, they have been given the license and permission to officially port Paranoia to the computer. Pun intended. That and I am excited. The only Paranoia video game I've ever been aware of was Paranoia Complex, which was a DOS game that got a one-star rating. Oh, I, I've seen video of that. I think I know why it got a one-star rating. It was just absurdly repetitive. Well, it was the same, yeah. Um, yeah, like, you need to find this person wearing green, shoot them, find this person wearing green. It's like, it's like that game structured a lie that friend computer hates green clearance citizens, right, guys? It, it did do weird thing like that, where every every person that was green was bad. Um, but in Paranoia, it's also kind of true. You've got the green goons, who are assholes, and are a lot more blamed with their assholeness. You know what? I just noticed something, and I can't believe I just noticed this now. Uh, what is the secret? Okay, tell me, what is the name of the secret society that uh, worships the computer as a god? The FCC. The first Church of Christ computer programmer. What is that backwards? PCCCF. Look up the Soviet Union. That was their um, abbreviation. No, it was the USSR, wasn't it? No, there was another one with FCC involved. Hold on, let me find it. I'm just getting the Philippine Cultural and Civic Center Foundation. Uh, hold on, how do you... Is FCCCP? Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it's three Cs. I thought it was a play... The Soviet um, Union acronym is CCCP. Look it up. Ah, intriguing. I thought it was a play on the CCCP, which is the Chinese Communist something party. It's yeah, here, here, here it is. Are you ready? Um, do do do. Um, oh, do 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 do. What what did CCCP for stand in the Soviet Union? It was also referred to as the Combined Community Codec Pack. Intriguing. One yeah, those product pack for Microsoft Windows. Uh, there's other ones like oh, translation of Soviet USSR equivalent to the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics in English. There's just a few other things that I'm looking through. Yeah, and I suspect, um, given Paranoia's satire, that that was probably entirely intentional. It's probably mixing a few things. You've got the Triple CP, obviously. You know, the First Church of Christ. The um. I suspect the FCC probably isn't being intentionally referenced there, but it always brought it to mind for me for some reason. Me as well. <laughs> the, the, one, that's one of those things about paranoia that I have a hard time describing about why I love it. 
is that every little thing in it is like three jokes put into one thing. It's it's incredibly meta in that way where no matter what you're looking at, you'll be seeing a series of jokes or references, and you may not even know it. Yeah. Well, um... I don't even... Well, I think that was a good uh, discussion for our first intro episode to the podcast, to our podcast, Deleted for Security. Uh, does anyone have anything to close on before we go? As always, I am Noah. And Steven. I'm Adrian, and uh, death to the computer. Catch him! All right, uh, do Craig leave?